Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Go Talk with Marcus, powered by Poddex, fueled by Goat Fuel. Once again, joining me on the show uh, is TV of TV on Basketball. And joining me on the show live for the first time uh, is Jalen Dixon of the Knockdown Jay. What's up, fellas? How are you doing today? Doing good, bro. Doing awesome. Thanks for having us on. Yes, sir. It's always a pleasure to, to talk hoops with you guys. Uh... <laughs> Yo, we're starting off with this energy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm just, yeah. I'm just. Oh yeah, yo, backstage stuff, y'all. Backstage stuff. Hey, bro. It's a vibe, Marcus. Come on, Lakers talk, bro. Come on, it's you know the vibe. No, it just, on, bro. It's just always look. It's always a couple weeks ago. I um, I was rushing out of work and I was I had to like do a bunch of other stuff to make sure that everyone was good before I left out for work and I left my keys at work and so like that was the whole thing and now it's. Now it's this. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> it's just, it's always something. That's all. Okay. So um, let's jump right in here. Jalen, this is your first time being on the show. So we're going to start with you. Anthony Davis recently has been on um, the stretch of his life playing the best basketball he's played um, ever, really. Um, I, I think would be the safe thing to say. Uh, are you buying? What AD's been selling over these past couple weeks? Or are you still in the in the group of people that think that maybe this is too good to be true? No, so I think I think the point that needs to be made is that this has always been Anthony Davis, right? This has always been the version of Anthony Davis that if you are a Lakers optimist or an AD optimist, this is the guy that you always see. One of the, those guys that competes com- that competes for the top big in the league status every single season. I think at the end of the day, you just point down to injury. Over the last two seasons, the man hasn't been healthy. Now, of course, the the thing that's truly made people lose faith in AD has never been his talent. It's been his ability to stay on the floor. Let's look at it right now. 36 games two seasons ago, 40 games last season. That's 76 games over the last two years. That's 82 games in one regular season. It's never been about... Anthony Davis's ability to produce on the floor. Anthony Davis has been doing what 
Anthony has done his entire career these last two years where everybody's been questioning him. Two years ago, 21.8 points per game with nearly eight rebounds a night. Last season, 23 points per game or 9.9 rebounds a night. But when you're not on the floor and you're not available, your impact is not felt on a night-to-night basis. And with the fact that LeBron James also has missed significant time over the last two seasons, Anthony Davis just has not been able to really play winning basketball. And now that we have an early season sample size with about 21 games of him and still a lot of the season left, now we have a chance to see a potential full stretch of Anthony Davis. Now I say potential because we know AD and we know his injury history. But as long as he stays healthy, I think this is something he's capable of on a regular basis. TV, I got it. TV, same question. How you feel about AD's uh, recent stretch of basketball? Uh, there's there's a lot of Jalen has said already, but Anthony Davis, like he mentioned, we know the talent is there. Anthony Davis is a top 75 player of all time. Even when people try to convince you otherwise, I still believe he is up there. He was the best player on that Lakers team when they won the championship in 2020. And what he's showing this year, especially if we look at his past eight games before he before the flu, 35 points a game. 16 rebounds per game, 88% from the free throw line, 45% from three, 65% from um, field goal percentage. This is AD. We know this has been AD. But there's a reason why his nickname is Anthony Day to Day to Davis. There's a reason why that is his nickname. Because no matter how much you want to believe in him, he'll show you these stretches. You, you, we know that it's, the talent is there. He has top three talent in the league when healthy. But these little nagging injuries, whether it's the knee, whether it's the back, whether it's the flu, I mean, like, like this is just like what Anthony, this is just like what Anthony Davis is. And as long and for as long as I can remember, when LeBron moved to the Lakers, he brought an AD. They were like, I'm going to pass it on to AD. It should be his team by the time by this point on in the Lakers run. And you just can't hand him the keys because. He can't drive it in like every game of the season, which is unfortunate because he does have the talent. But that's just that's just a reality you have to live with. I mean, the ability can be there. I mean, we've we there's been so many cases of talent always being there, but when you can't be on the court, how are you going to be able to showcase that talent? I mean, the Lakers over their past ten games, they're seven and three. So when Anthony Davis plays, they are a very good team, and it's, especially with him and LeBron James in the lineup. But you just can't trust that on a day-to-day basis. Anthony Data Davis, that's that's just the story of his career. And I think like it's even with the flu right now, it's just like it's just something that we've just gone accustomed to and we'll get these stretches, but that's just how it is. Here's my thing with AD. We all know how talented AD is. We all know how great AD is as a basketball player. I think it's I think AD's gotten the 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 extremely short end of the of the injury stick. And I don't mean a luck standpoint. I mean we talk about AD and we call him Anthony Day-to-Day Davis or, you know, Charles Barkley calls him street clothes or, like, whatever. But, like, AD over the last few years has played more games than Kawhi Leonard. He's played more games than Paul George. This is the point. We don't give Paul George and we don't give Kawhi Leonard half mm-hmm. as much slack as we give Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis isn't out for load management. Anthony Davis is out because it actually hurt. Like, mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard just don't play basketball. And, and he doesn't get half the slack that AD gives. So, I, I – Listen, I will be the first to admit that going to the Wizards game for, excuse me, for basically free this past Sunday and watching Anthony Davis drop 55 points was definitely uh, something I enjoyed. And I enjoy watching Anthony Davis play basketball at at a high level. But Anthony Davis has been unfairly judged as an injury prone player. And I get it. He has been injured a lot. But if we're going to hold AD to the standard of he's hurt all the time, then 
We need to talk about the fact that Kawhi Leonard just doesn't play basketball games for load management reasons. We need to talk about the fact that Paul George missed a lot of time in the Pelicans season. We need to talk about the fact that James Harden, up until recently, has been an elite basketball player. It's not because he's not good. It's because he he forced himself out of to be out of shape so much to force out of all these basketball teams that now he just hasn't been in shape much. We don't talk about that either. So, Anthony Davis, as great as he is and as talented as it is, I think we understand that. I think we recognize that. And I think, unfortunately, because of the uniform that Anthony Davis wears, we harp on the fact that he's hurt too much. Because if Anthony Davis wasn't a Laker and if his teammate wasn't LeBron James, we wouldn't talk about Anthony Davis being hurt as much as we do. Um, I think that's unfair. I think it's extremely unfair for Anthony Davis that that's the reality that he lives. Speaking of teammates of Anthony Davis, Russell Wilson – Russell Wilson. I was just talking football earlier today. I'm sorry. Russell Westbrook, on the other hand, uh, has seemingly been leading the early season race for six man of the year with how he's been playing off the bench for the Lakers so far this season. TV, is it possible the Lakers still move on from Russ this season? Do you, excuse me, or do you think that this this is working and that he should stay and be their lead guy off the bench? I mean, they're making the best out of a bad scenario, I guess, with like Russell Westbrook. They it's it's always been a thing where Russell Westbrook just does not fit with LeBron James and Anthony Davis in that starting lineup. So moving him to the bench, letting him control basically everything. Because once you're like off, like once you're coming off the bench, I mean, you relegate um, Kendrick Nunn to basically a third point guard position, and Russell Westbrook gets to be Russell Westbrook in those minutes. I mean, if we look at at his numbers, I mean, fourteen, like basically five and six at, at this point in the season, like it's not bad. So him like being near the top of the six man of the year race is pretty good. Now, would I have him like winning six man of the year? That's a different conversation. I would probably have people like pull and maybe maybe Benedict Matherin over him, but I think he's found a role with him with the Lakers. And honestly, any team going forward, say if he does get traded to like the Pacers or something for the whole Buddy Heald bounce or anything, which has basically been going on for the past like six months, if that trade does happen and Russell Westbrook ends up getting bought out by the Pacers, I think. What teams see now with him on the Lakers is maybe they can bring him in and, and be that lead guard off the bench and just provide them with energy because you know what, what Russell Westbrook's going to give you? He's going to give you energy all throughout the entire game. He's going to play at 110% all the time. Just coming off the bench, especially at his age, I think that's the perfect role for him right now. And it's helping the Lakers succeed. I mean, they have been so much better than they have at the beginning of the season. And Russell Westbrook. He is forcing in a role where he only has to play, like, what, 20 to 26 minutes per game. I think it's a good role for him. The trade still might happen, but I think he's doing what, what he, what, like, the best he can with the Lakers. Jalen, what say you about, uh, about Russ so far this season? So, I mean, in terms of the actual six-man-of-the-year race, I think TV makes a really good point when you talk about the distribution across the league in terms of guys who kind of fit into that category. I think Benedict Matherin is one of those guys that I think is a fill-up type of player. I think Jordan Poole is going to get a lot of buzz, despite the fact that I don't think he's been – as great as we've seen, at least in the past season or two, but I still think that he's going to get a significant nod. I also just feel like that it's going to be an interesting six man of the year race because I don't think anybody's running away with any spot statistically the way we see typical guys in that six man of the year area typically fill up the box score to a point that we kind of just lean towards that. And when you look at Russell Westbrook, he actually falls into that category. In, in reality, Russell Westbrook is not necessarily doing anything special from a statistical standpoint. 15 points a game, eight assists, five rebounds a night. Dude shooting just barely under 70% from the free throw line, shooting 45% from two, 30% from three, 40% overall. Like he's not doing anything that significantly stands out. But the difference is from a fit, stand, from a fit standpoint, the game has looked cleaner with him in this position. I think more so than the idea of any awards, whether six man of the year or DPOY for a guy like Anthony Davis. I think the most important thing for this Lakers team over the last couple of weeks in particular is 
by hook or crook, this man, Darvin Ham, has been able to get guys to be able to buy into their actual roles. Anthony Davis has a coach, has a person in particular that truly believes on it, believes in him and his talent, and that's starting to really show forth as a guy that is starting to be a lot more assertive, specifically on the offensive end. Russell Westbrook took a backseat and put himself in this six-man role, something that I think if you look at other coaches, for example, Frank Vogel, who got hit with the gavel last season, there's certain guys who are not going to be able to convince a superstar player like, like Russell Westbrook to take that kind of step back. Darvin Ham has been able to do that. And then on top of that, Darvin Ham has been able to get these boys to play defense. I think Anthony Davis is going to get a lot of the shine when it comes to the fact that that this Lakers team is atop the, not just the Western Conference, but the entire NBA in terms of defensive acumen across the board and defense rating. But with the personnel that he has, for this team to be this good on defense – I mean, more than anything, I think we have to give a lot of credit to Eddie Darvin Ham. I think he's got both of these boys, AD and Russell Westbrook, playing at a really high level, even if it might not be in the most conventional or maybe even sustainable way moving forward. Russell Westbrook has been playing good basketball, and I, and I don't think anyone thought that Russ couldn't play good basketball. I think the issue was just, as you guys mentioned, like the fit, right? And I'll be the first to admit, I never thought the fit would work because it just doesn't make sense to kind of have Russ play with LeBron, but but Russell was Russell Westbrook has played fantastic basketball coming off the bench. He's been able to be more comfortable in what he is as a basketball player, which is just a guy that likes to run the floor and kind of facilitate and do the things he needs to do. But I think what we have seen too is in the small pockets of time when you've seen AD, LeBron, and Russ all on the floor at the same time, it's worked. And it's worked really well, especially over this last stretch with AD having been as dominant as he's been. And I think a lot of that has to do with Russ has been passive to AD when he's on the floor, but LeBron has also been passive to AD when he's on the floor. And, and to TV's points earlier, that's what the Lakers always want. Like, the whole point of bringing in AD wasn't just to win a championship, but it was so that AD can become the focal point of the offense so that we can get much more deference on LeBron James' part to Anthony Davis. And I think now what we're seeing is now the AD is available, now the AD is healthy, now the AD is playing the level of basketball that he has been playing with the past couple of days. We're seeing now that this offense just flows a lot better. And it's not just because that Russ is coming off the bench. It's not just because AD is clicking. It's not just because LeBron's playing good basketball, but it's because it seems like Darvin Ham has finally figured out how to make these pieces fit so that this puzzle can work and see the big picture, right? Uh, I think we have conversations all the time about kind of what's the ceiling for this basketball team. And don't get me wrong, this team is not going to win a championship, at least not this season, I don't think so. But this is definitely going to be one of those teams I think we look at come play in time and come towards the end of the season, should they sneak into the top six. We talk about, we say, this will be one of those sneaky teams like the Hawks from a couple of years ago that made it to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals against the Bucks, Or... Um, one of those other teams that we, you initially you don't look at and you say this is a team that can go all the way. But this is a team that can cause matchup problems because if AD is continuing to play, obviously he's not going to continue to average 49 and a half points over the rest of the season. It's not going to happen. If he does, he, he that's that would be half a point shy of the all-time record that, that Wilt set at 50 a game. But, like, if AD continues to play the level of basketball that he's playing, and, and, I, and I, I would say averaging around 27 and, and, and 12, which is – I, th- I think regressing to the mean for AD, if you will. Like if he, if we get that, and 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 Russ is still playing good ball, averaging around fifteen nine and nine, and if LeBron is still being LeBron James, like this is a basketball team that, all things aside, can still win basketball games and can still pose a threat in the playoffs, right? Lonnie Walker's not a bad shooter. He plays good basketball. He's a good, he, he's a good forerunner, right? We've seen, you, you see other guys like Austin Reeves have, have played a big role in this in, in this for this basketball team from time to time, right? So it's really interesting to see how this all pans out. I don't think anyone thought the Lakers would kind of, quote-unquote, figure it out this soon. I think we all kind of expected the Lakers to just reappear, still just continue to be as bad as they were last season, which I don't think is fair to them, considering that it was their first year kind of trying to figure this out and everybody was unhealthy. But to the point about Russ, I think Russ is firmly in the six-minute-of-the-year race. I don't think anyone's really pulling away. 
Um, but and, and I don't think he'll win it in the end just because of a lot of it, I think, has to do with just the narrative around Russ and also just because of how old Russ is and also just because of, like, I don't expect him to do anything eye-popping over the next couple seasons. I think this is – or next couple uh, – as season progresses, I think that's an award that's going to be – that's going to have Benedict Matherin's name all over it should he continue to play the, the way that he's playing. But Russ is definitely firmly in the conversation, and I think it's interesting to see how the Lakers kind of move forward because a lot of people were – a lot of us were like, we'll give it – the Lakers were like, we'll give it till Thanksgiving. And I think a lot of us thought – Thanksgiving is going to be too late. You give it to Thanksgiving, that could be the season. That's a quarter of the season. It could be over before it starts. But it seems like the Lakers are doing okay. And we know the next big day on the calendar for for, for the NBA is Christmas. That's when a lot of us kind of say that the season really starts around Christmas. And they're in a good spot, right? Like the Western Conference is kind of tight. It's, it's really, really tight right now. And there's a lot, which is crazy because a lot of teams we thought were going to be bad have been good. But, of course, they're regressed towards the mean inside to slide down the sandings. And, Maybe the Lakers can move up. But the Lakers have been a lot better out of the gate than I think a lot of people expected through the first 25% of the season. Speaking of being a lot better than expected through the first quarter of the season, Shea Gilders-Alexander has become the next young basketball player to take the next step towards potentially being an elite basketball player in the NBA. Now, don't get me wrong. SJ is a phenomenal basketball player, and he has played elite basketball. The question is, is SGA going to be the next young guy, like a Devin Booker, like a Luka Doncic, like a Jason Tatum, or Jason Tatum, should be to take that next step and 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 submit themselves firmly in the conversation as a young star that you can build around and potentially be the number one option on a championship team, Jalen. I think the answer is yes, and I think it's because when you look at Shea Gilders Alexander as a player, I think people talk about talk when you look at the rise of Shea's stardom over the last couple of seasons up to this crescendo where we're at with him averaging 31 points a game is Shea Gilders Alexander has quite literally worn every hat in this NBA sphere right when you talk about being the rookie that plays a regular rotation role with Clippers we talk about the early OKC portion of his career when he plays next to CP3 and Dennis Schroeder in a three-yard lineup where he's a second or the third offensive option on any given night to then being the lead offensive option on any given night the last two seasons when he's been available on the floor. I think that the one thing that people do not take into consideration more than his slippery play style or his overall just finesse ability on the floor and especially his ability to get to the basket considering the lack of spacing on this OKC Thunder team is the fact that he is so versatile as an overall player and has been forced to over the last couple of seasons of his career to adapt his game in a multitude of different ways that's going to make him good for a long time because he's going to be able to understand how to step into any given role and be able to produce at a high level. And he's done that in a way that if you look across the board from 2018 when he was drafted up until now, he's made significant strides season after season, not just as a scorer, but as a facilitator, as a rebounder, more efficient free throw line he's been more active at the free throw line his 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 rookie year he was getting to the free throw line 2.4 points uh 2.4 times a game here we are four seasons later 9.6 free throw attempts per game if you look across the top of the league he's pretty much somewhere between the top five and top 10 in free throw attempts on any given nightly basis again like i mentioned before as a guy that doesn't have a lot of spacing on his team. He's able to create enough space for himself, create contact on a night-to-night basis to the point that he's making daily trips. He's just become a much more savvy player along with having this ability to pop off on any given night. 
And I think the most important thing, too, is he's taking a real leader role as a part of this OKC Thunder team, putting together runs in the offseason, truly embracing the idea of wanting to be a lead on this team for the long haul. And it gets overlooked that the man is only 24 years old. But I think that should also be taken into account because that just goes to show you that despite the fact that everybody wants to send him to a different team or say that he should be another disgruntled superstar looking to be a win now player. I think the fact that he is invested in a long term relationship with the OKC Thunder, not only as an organization, but in terms of his own teammates building within this roster of guys where on any given season, the core can change, I think just goes to show you that he's a guy that you're going to want to build around for the long haul because he's a guy who's committed to the grind. And you, you hate to use those cliche hot tactics, but for a team like this, where the goal is not to win right now, seeing some of these trades early on from a superstar caliber player like Shea are really good signs. TV, how do you feel about SGA so far this season, man? Uh, I mean, it's – I don't know if you guys have been knowing what do the podcast and stuff, but I've been seeing this in SGA for a while now. I think, especially for the past two years, I've been saying that he has gotten the Devin Booker treatment like before the Phoenix Suns got really good. Because if you really think about it, I mean, Devin Booker before the Phoenix Suns got really good, people were thinking, oh, is he putting up num- like these big-time numbers, empty stats on a pretty bad team? a team that doesn't really strive to go to the playoffs. Well, it was the same thing here with Che. I mean, yes, he did make the playoffs the one year when he had Chris Paul on his team. But over the past, probably since twenty, since the turn of the decade, the Thunder are, were not, are not planned to be in a position to either make it to the playoffs or play for the play-in. They've been tanking, tanking, and tanking. So especially, especially with like when their attentions are made very clear, you see Shea putting up these stats, and people are bound to question his ability. But now they kind of have a plan of what's the, like what they want to have going forward with Josh Giddy. I know Chad Holmgren's injured, but they have a direction with him being their starting center for years and years down the line. Shea is finally like is finally getting the opportunity to be like, yeah, now it's time for me to take over this team. And when when I like when I'm the leader of this team and when we want to win, he is able to do that. And like Jalen has mentioned, the biggest thing for me that, like, the biggest difference that I've seen in his game compared to previous seasons is the way he's able to get to the free throw line. And that is massive, especially as a superstar player. You mentioned Tatum. You mentioned Luka Doncic. These guys get to the line near um, 10 attempts per game just because they want our superstars to get the calls. But they take the game in their own hands, and they like, try to get buckets. They try to make plays whenever possible. And Shea is getting to that point. So, yeah, I think that he can be that number one guy that they build around. Even if they're not great this year, that's just another piece that they could add to the puzzle there in OKC. And then you got to wait for, Sh- for Shed Holmgren. And you could just see the pieces, like, building together in this OKC, in the um, in the, RK- the OKC organization. I think when Shea is like, leading it the way, they sign him for a long-term contract for a reason. They they see him as a valuable piece going forward. And especially now that we've seen him play at a, such a high level this year, 31 points a game. If he isn't an, an, an all-star, I'm going to be I'm extremely pissed off. But <laughs> I think that, um, yeah, he can be the lead guy. And I'm just excited to see what he has next because he is the future of Canada basketball, people. He is. <laughs> no, he is. He is. Yeah. SJ plays great football. Uh, football. Jeez, I've got a lot of football on my mind. I'm sorry. SJ has been playing great basketball. Um <clears throat> And it's been really interesting. It's it's been really nice to watch him and also Tyrese Halliburton in Indiana like take that next step. And and I don't think Tyrese, I don't think Tyree, uh, I don't I don't think Halliburton is is there quite yet to where Shea is. But I think next season he will be. 
Right. Like we look at we look at Halliburton and he's already leading the league in assists right now and he's been playing great basketball as well. Um, but Shea can just do everything else. And I think what's really unlocked Shea is the fact that they have a guy out there in Josh Giddy that's a he's just a better passer and just a better facilitator than Shea is. And so Shea doesn't have to do it as much as he did when he was, you know, a rookie and then also when he first got to OKC and now he just more he he's just able to kind of be more free as a scorer, as a as a mid range shooter, as as far as driving to the basket and as you guys mentioned, getting to the line much more. But like Watching SGA play basketball on free television on a night-to-night basis just feels like highway robbery because he's just so good at the game of basketball. He's been extremely good all season. Um, and it's been an incredible thing to watch. And, like, I don't know if you can say that this is, like, a most improved thing because it's not because it's been steady improvement. But, like, he, he is definitely he, – he's in that – he's starting to creep into that, uh, again, that upper echelon of younger talent, right? Like, the conversation that we always have, we're going to have it in just a second, is Luka versus Tatum. Like, Who's the best young? Who, who's the best young basketball player in, in the league right now? And and the answer is always Luca or Tatum. I think SGA is starting to get to a point where he's starting to get his name in that conversation with Luca, with JT, uh, with Devin Booker and Donald Mitchell to a lesser degree, right? But like usually the, that conversation always starts and ends with Luca and JT. And I think SGA is getting to that point where he's starting because, like you said, he's only twenty four years old. Right. Which is crazy to think about that. He's only 24 years old, but he's he's slowly creeping his way up into being one of those guys that you look at and say, maybe in a couple of years, I can build around this guy and I can build a championship roster on this guy. And I can trust this guy to be my number one option on my championship roster. And and it's going to be a great thing to see because he plays great basketball. He's been phenomenal for the Thunder. He's been exactly what the Thunder needed. Just a young guy that's willing to kind of grind it out. You know, the same thing that KD was when he first got there. The same thing that Russ was when he first got there. Right. Just a young guy that's grinding it out, trying to make a name for himself, taking those steps he needs to take to become one of the best in the business. And SJ has definitely, definitely been taking those steps to become one of the best in the business. Now, speaking of being the best in the business, there's two young guys that are currently, I would I would think, are the odds-on favorites right now at this point in the season to win the Most Valuable Player Award for the for the NBA. It's Luka Doncic for the Dallas Mavericks, and it's Jason Tatum for the Boston Celtics. Now, because of my bias, I'm going to uh, recuse myself from this, and I'm going to let you two go to war because y'all are already going to war all the time anyway. So what's, what's, what's one more what's one more acorn on top of the pile to go to war for? So, Jay, TV, um, who is leading the race for MVP right now? Is it Luka Doncic or is it Jason Tatum and why? I'll start here and I'm okay. going to I'm gonna go Jason Tatum. I am going to go Jason Tatum. And yes, Luka's numbers are godly like 33 points per game 8.6 rebounds 8.7 assists 50 percent from the field it's it's video game numbers look at Doncic is putting up but jason tatum with the honestly like by far the season it feels like the celtics are the best team in the league and they're kind of like a step of even above like the bucks and the suns like him leading that team him still averaging 31 8 4 48 from the field 87 percent from the free throw line and he's playing all like all defense level defense. If you if you're watching the games, I mean, I just watched um, the Raptors versus Celtics game the other night, and man, like when I when when we see like defensive improvement, Jason Tatum is the definition of that. And just seeing him like play at this high of a level, and uh, like in a system where it's not just him, it's Jalen Brown is still getting his. You're still getting like great production from people like Malcolm Brogdon. You're still getting like um, Marcus Smart his chances. I think like him, especially leading the best offense in the league, in my opinion, in the Boston Celtics, you have that going for him. You have the best record in the league right now compared to the Mavericks, who are just like are just barely making the play in spots right now. It's 13 and 11. I think that 
although Luka Doncic's numbers are better, I think that the that the record kind of shifts into Tatum's um, favor right now. And I just think that people like would appreciate that it's not the system is not just him. It's like the whole Boston Celtics system, but he is clearly the best guy on that team. Where Luka Doncic is the system in Dallas. Like you need to build around him. Jason Tatum, you could pop him basically on, I feel like on multiple teams and he can like adapt. I don't really feel like that with Luka Doncic, but in terms of the MVP race, I'm still going Jason Tatum. Jalen, who's MVP right now? Yeah, so it's funny that we asked this question because I literally have done an article on both scenarios. Luka Doncic's MVP case and the Boston Celtics being arguably the most dominant dominant team in the NBA right now. I'm going to lean with TV in terms of saying that Jason Tatum is the MVP right now, or at least the MVP front runner as of right now. When you talk about war I signed up for. when I No, no, no. Listen, wait, Marcus. Wait, Marcus. I got you. I got you. You just got to let me get this off for you. know I love to play devil's advocate. Come on, Marcus. You know I'm going to. You know I'm going to. Just let me get this first. Okay. So when it comes to Jason Tatum individually, I think the main thing is that when we talk about two-way play, that is favored in the NBA more than anything, especially with the transition of this game being more of a five-out system. So I think at the end of the day, Jason Tatum plays with the best team, with the best, with one of the best. They're not one of the best defenses right now, but they have the potential to be even better defensively considering the fact that Robert Williams has been out. They've been arguably the best offensive team in the league. Now, again, like I said, you always got to have a good devil's advocate, and this is where the point that I'm going to go with when it comes to Luka Doncic because when I put this article together, there was three main points that I focused on when you talk about his MVP case. The first thing is, that the Helios off or hit has skyrocketed to an like immeasurable level. I mean, we're talking to the point that when you put his usage rate level, his usage rate percentage up against other former MVPs, he his season so far ranks somewhere in the top three already, with like the only other guy being in front of him on a night-to-night basis. When you just look at the overall usage, I think it was Russ back in his MVP year. He's like his was something insane, like 41% or something bizarre like that. So you're talking about, yes, TV mentioned the fact that it's the system, but I would also say, in a sense, with the way that this Dallas Mavericks team has been constructed, he's kind of left to be at that point. When you look at this team, who is the next secondary scorer on this team that makes you feel confident? I understand Tim Hardaway Jr. has infused a little bit of offensive production over the last couple of games, giving some people some confidence that maybe Lucas starting to get some help. But if you look at it from a night-to-night consistency, the Mavericks are not getting a bunch offensively from that team. And you look at it when nights when Luca does try to distribute or when teams say, make the other team, make the other teammates around Luca beat me. They do not produce. They do not produce at a high level. You see spurts from Spencer Dinwiddie. You see the occasional Christian Wood game. But outside of that, there's no real consistent offensive production on this team. Now, again, we can point back to the Luka Doncic problem, which is the man's so good that he hasn't been able to let this team truly build around him through things like the mode of the draft and things of that nature. But I would argue at the same time, there's just singular moves on the margins. Brunson that didn't take place that are things that have limited this team to the point I think that if you look at it from a case of narrative being what he watched go out the door this offseason the overall production of him in comparison to the team around him and the fact that when you look at the the, the construct of the Western Conference the fact that this team is is even relatively in the mix has a lot to do with the offensive production of Luka Doncic because they haven't been nearly the defensive team they were last year. So when you look at all of it, 
it kind of is a Luka Doncic backpack job as opposed to the Boston Celtics. Let's talk about Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum has two of the best three-point shooters in the league with two guys, and uh, I believe it's Cornette and Al Horford shooting 45% from three right now. They're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. We have one of the most versatile three-point shooting, I mean, three-point uh shooting and defensive teams in the league, and they've got one of the best defensive units, at least on paper, in the NBA. It's looking like a stacked roster versus a guy and some homies, basically, unfortunately. I feel like that's one of those things that does favor Luke Doncic in that way. Yeah, but also Tatum is producing. Tatum is still producing at that like sort of level. Yeah, yeah, Luka Doncic has, has better numbers, but is it significantly better to the point where you have to feel like, oh, Luka Doncic, his numbers is just so good like compared to Tatum that he deserves the MVP race over him? Tatum is still putting up 38 and 4, and he's doing it on cr- crazy good per- like on really good percentages, and his team is by far the best team in the league. I just think that having Luka as a system, yeah, he's going to put up these great numbers, and we've seen it from time to time again. He's going to put up like 40, 30 point triple doubles. I mean, he's had like multiple 40 point triple doubles this year. With Tatum, he's going to produce this and he's still going to get like, and he still is allowing the other guys to like do well as, um, to do well around him. So, yeah, I mean, like, I just, I just think like, even though like, yeah, maybe numbers are comparable, Tatum, I think is still like, is still decently ahead of Duke Dodgers at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you. I mean, in, in retrospect, like I said, I agree with you in terms of saying that I think Jason Tatum is the front runner. I think if you're coming at it from the Luka Doncic angle, I think the main thing you're going to point to is you come into the season and you look at Boston's roster, they're easily the deepest team in the NBA, and it's not even close. And as compared to maybe when you looked at other teams like the Clippers before the year started, this team has actually been able to produce one nine in terms of the guys that they put out on the floor with other guys like Cornette, like Peyton uh, Pritchard that have been able to produce at not maybe a high level, but a consistent level. And that's the guys like Danilo Gallinari, who's probably not even going to dribble for this team, or the fact that Robert Williams has been out. Like the fact that this team has so much upward mobility on top of the fact they've already been this team in the league so far this season, I think they're going to look at the overall body of work of the Boston Celtics and in a weird way almost kind of counted against Jason Tatum in the sense that his individual production has been through the roof but I think when you try to factor in the team element of it he's I mean like I like I said in a way you almost are looking at a stacked roster as opposed to Luka Doncic they're going to try to the way it's going to be framed is it's going to be a one-man show carry job and I think the I think when you talk about the idea of valuable, that's when you get into a weird debate of is the guy who produces on the best team really more valuable than the guy who gets his team into the playoffs as the centerpiece of being able to move that move that team on a night-to-night basis? That's going to be the argument that gets made. I believe that Jason Tatum's individual productivity is enough to still keep him above, and the team stuff is just a cherry on top, so to speak. But I think there's another angle where you can look at it where you can say Luka Doncic's numbers are a product of what he has to do. Jason Tatum is just, in a way, overachieving on a team that is doing as well as they are across the board between three-point shooting and so forth and so forth. I think those are the different angles that you could play from. I, I agree with you, but I think there's an angle that you can take with Luka Doncic where you say the only way this team is even relevant is because of the fact that he's been able to produce at such a high level. Um, like I said, I'm recusing myself from this discussion because I'm biased. Uh, Who are you biased towards? As a as a Luka Doncic fan, I don't think I could I could 
I could do. Okay. I've listened to the podcast enough to know that you love Luca, but I didn't know the bias was that deep, Marcus. I don't think I can I don't think no I can, answer, I don't think no I can, comment. I don't think I can I don't think I could fairly and uh uh full of integrity uh answer this question. So I'm gonna modify the final question uh for reasons that, that, that Jalen and T V are privy to. Um we're doing power <laughs> rankings. Um <laughs> doing power ranking, I think this will be a lot more interesting. Instead of uh, all of us each listing five, we're all going to make a top five uh, from five to one. Uh, Jay, you're going to do five, and then we'll count up from five to one with each of us going. So, Jay, you give me the fifth best team in the NBA in your eyes. The fifth best team to me right now, I think it's the Memphis Grizzlies, bro. I think it's Memphis. TV, who's, who's the fourth best team in basketball right now? Give me the Cavs. I still think Jared Allen makes that too. Like, it's basically for me, it's like the, the mm-hmm. secret weapon on this team. I would still have the Cavs there, especially with Dominic Mitchell playing at such a high level. That's interesting. I actually have the Cavs as the third best team in basketball, okay. but it's okay. Um, okay. If I had to put a team at four, or I'm sorry, at three, that's kind of tough. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think TV would keep the Cavs out of his top. Well, I mean, I know I wasn't expecting to put that trick. I know he's not, but I didn't think. I didn't think he'd keep the Cavs out of his top out of the top three. So so okay. Six out. Of, I can't name many teams that are better than the Cavs that also aren't him because the other two teams I think are better than the Cavs are my top two, but not three. Um, I mean, there's two teams I think you could go with. Well, yeah, there's two teams you could go with for sure, but then it becomes a thing of like, okay, well, is this? You know what I mean? Okay. I think I, I know last time I was on the show, you you were so like you were so against Phoenix, bro. You know, last time I was That's on what the I'm show, saying Phoenix and, and the I, Pelicans, and neither I, one be three. And I no, I'm I, I can't do this. I, I can't. I I don't have a, I don't I don't this the Pelicans to me aren't a top three team in basketball, and I I just don't. I don't feel about the Suns the way everyone else feels about the Suns. Sorry. Okay. Okay. So what's what if I put the Suns at three? Let just as, as a play as a thing. Let's put the at the Suns at three. I think we all have the same top two. We should have the same top two. Wait. Wait. Put the Suns at three, and then and then Jalen, you go two and one. Yeah, Jalen, you go two one. Yeah, that's fine. I have Celtics Bucks. Celtics yep. one Bucks two. Okay. Yeah, I have the yeah. same. I have the same. Wait a minute, Marcus. What's up with the Phoenix? Um, Come on, okay. man. Jalen and then TV. It yeah, can't be. I, I'm not a believer in the Phoenix Suns. I haven't been a believer in the Phoenix Suns in a while. All right, different. I'm not, I'm not, a, different I'm not a believer in. I, I'm not buying with the. I'm not buying. With the, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Um, <laughs> Jalen, let me know where they can find you. Uh, and then after that, TV, you do the same. Oh, at the Knockdown J on Instagram and Twitter, and um, put some stuff on YouTube. You'll be able to find the link in uh, link in the bio for that as well. It's not launched yet, but some other stuff is coming. Yeah, and for myself, I mean, I've been on the show a couple of times, but find me TV on basketball, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and also on TikTok. Me, me and Jalen, me and Jalen over here, we do daily NBA picks every okay. night. You can go check those out. And yeah, thank you again for having us on the show. Sure, it's always a pleasure to have the guys on the show. Uh, I'm sure I'm lagging massively at this point because of because of my irresponsibility, but it's okay. Uh, thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys, Jalen and TV, for coming on the show. Uh, it's always a pleasure. 
Uh, you guys can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at GTP Marcus. You can find the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and of course on YouTube. Just search Go Talk with Marcus. You can also follow me on Facebook if you're an old head as well and you don't know what a TikTok, a Twitter, or Instagram is. So for my guy Jalen of the Knockdown Jay and for my guy TV of TV on Basketball, this is Marcus of Go Talk Marcus signing off. Thank you guys for watching. We'll be right back here Friday night with some football uh to talk some football talk nfl week 13 to talk some playoff picture to talk Deion sanders so that'll be a fun show as well so make sure you guys tune in to that eight o'clock eastern standard time right back here at all the same places thank you guys for watching and as always you guys enjoy the rest of your lives peace with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.